Good evening. It's certainly a, a thrill to be here with you folks this evening. A month ago, I might not have been here. I had felt pain across my chest, so I asked my David, my brother, who's retired doctor, I said, what do you think this is? So he said, well, he says, it could be anything, but he said, let me get my stethoscope out. And he got it out and tested me. And he says, I think we better go to the hospital. So we went to the York Hospital. And when we went there, <coughs> because I had this pain here, I got special attention, rushed in, and immediately plugged to all sorts of things to check what was going on inside of me. And just wonderfully, the Lord just took over from there on. There it was. My husband David was there, and he stayed the night with me. And I had said, I hope I don't have to stay, spend the night in hospital. The last time I was in hospital to spend the night was 25 years ago, and they couldn't get over that. And um, they said, it's so good to get to have you here because all the patients we have in the hospital are all from Pennsylvania and the surrounding area. But you're from Africa, so we're going to learn a lot about Africa seeing you're here. <laughs> anyway, to thank the Lord for what he did, um, let me just read part of this, which was an email that my husband David sent to um, <clears throat> friends to explain what had happened. He said, 10 days ago, we were having a very exciting or traumatic time. Depends on which way you look at it. In any case, the Lord has been just so very good to us, and we praise his blessed name for all that has happened. On the Wednesday, late morning, he referred to me as Mrs. Crowdis, started to feel some chest pains. Her brother, David Logan, who is a retired surgeon, with whom we are staying, checked her out and said she should go immediately to the hospital. She was admitted with atrium fibrillation. Her heart was pumping at about 175 times a minute, so fast that the blood was not being pumped properly. She was told a heart specialist would check her out next morning, Thursday. With medication, the heart slowed down a lot during the night, and we were praying that she would get back to normal and be allowed home hopefully that day. Apparently no one really knows why this suddenly happened, but they tell us that in most cases it subsides fairly quickly if treated within a short time of starting. So we kept praying. It could also lead on to a heart attack and other such things we were told. However, we looked to the Lord to do what he saw was best so that she could continue in the work to which he has called us. Thursday, while waiting for the doctor to come, mid-morning she felt like vomiting, and folks rushed in to see her as it appeared that her heartbeat had suddenly passed, uh, suddenly dropped down to 30, and what seemed routine suddenly became a major emergency. Eight people rushed into the small ward and began anxiously working on her on various instruments connected to her. Then they <clears throat> rushed her into the OR operating room and immediately passed a catheter into the vein to do a scan on some, the inside of her heart. While on the operating table, another major emergency took place 
and they had to pass another catheter through an artery this time and connect a temporary external pacemaker to her heart to keep her alive. Fifteen minutes after that, first opera began, the surgeon came out and called me, my husband, aside and said they needed to implant a pacemaker as her heart could not keep up with the beats necessary to keep her alive. It was a terrific shock to have all this happen so fast. Thankfully, my brother-in-law, David Logan, was there, and on his advice, I said, go ahead. So that is what they did. From the operating theater, they first phoned Dr. McAdam at Chitokoloki in Zambia. That's our nearest doctor to where we live in Zambia to see what kind of pacemakers they use in that part of Zambia. He said they don't use them. So they went ahead installing the most universal type and by the time Mrs. Crowders returned to the room, two and a half hours later, she was already feeling much better and thankfully slept well that night. Friday afternoon, I was able to bring her home so she would value your prayers that her heart would adjust to the pacemaker that the wounds will heal quickly and that all will go well. Everything has happened so fast, I can hardly believe it. It was so good of the Lord that this took place right here in York, Pennsylvania, not out in a remote corner of Zambia or Malawi. What a wonderful, caring God we have. We greatly value your prayers that the Lord will heal her completely so that in his will, we can return to the work he has given us to do out in Africa. We have just heard that in South Africa, most cardiologists are able to adjust and maintain this type of pacemaker and we can be connected to them by telephone. So we are thanking the Lord for that good news too. Later, the stitches are now out and Grace is doing well. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and thank you for your loving kindness, for your goodness shown to us in so many ways, so many ways we don't even know how you're protecting us and caring for us. And we just pray that you'll bless us now as we have a little time together with the ladies and children that are here, that it'll be a time of real encouragement and help. These things we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So, just to be here is a real blessing. And we spent the day, enjoyed the breaking of bread meeting so much this morning, and uh, had a lovely time with our friends in uh, a delicious meal. And uh, we just appreciate your prayers now. We, <clears throat> I promised to tell a story to, um, for the kids that are here. That's my bedroom in, Zambe in Chivuma. I was walking into my room, my bedroom, when I saw this snake. We didn't have electricity at, the, at that time, but we had flashlights, and I was just walking in, and I was shining it on the floor when I suddenly saw this cobra 
The cobras are the ones that lift up spit. They can blind you, or if they bite you, they can kill you. When I saw this, I jumped up on the bed as fast as I could. I thought, well, it's too dangerous to hang around here. And as I got up on the bed, I called for my two brothers, and I said, quick, quick, there's a snake in my bedroom. Can you come and help? And both of them, David and Paul, came running in, and uh, we couldn't find it. I was up on the bed, and they were looking under the beds, couldn't see it anyway. And I said, well, just look this side here. There's a, a patio on the outside, and there's a double door, or screen door, and a wooden door. Just see if it isn't, hasn't gone in between those two doors. They went outside, and that's exactly where it was hiding, between those two doors. So my brother got the gun out and shot it, and there it is after it was dead. <laughs> Somebody said, was that still alive there? And I said, oh no, <laughs> we made sure it was died, dead. But you know, this is a verse that I think is so important. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Doesn't that describe that? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. If I hadn't had my flashlight shining there, I could have easily stepped on it. And again, not be here to tell this, but the Lord protected me and gave me what I needed to protect myself. And I was just thinking, how, can, how does God's word protect us? How, what does, how can we explain thy word is a lamp to my feet? Well, God's word is what? The Bible. And all we need to do is start to open it and start to read it, and what do we find? How it can protect us. It protects us by showing us what God says. You know, we've been very impressed to see how lies are used everywhere we go. But all the countries, if there's a problem, just use a lie. Just tell a lie. Some people say a fib, but that's still a lie. And God is very much against lying. And this verse shocked me when I found it uh, not too long ago. And it's Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and almost the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 21, verse 8. Revelation 21, verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers, verse 8, and sorcerers and idolaters, and listen to this, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All liars have their place. Where? Have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Thy word is a lamp to my feet. Tells me if I keep telling lies, my place is in hell. The person who constantly tells lies 
If a person tells a lie and realizes he's done wrong and uh, asks God for forgiveness, God will forgive him. But when a person's personality is just to use lies, tell lies all the time, has no fear of lying, their part is in the brimstone, fire that never dies out. A light unto my path. And what does that do? Tells me if I keep on doing that, where will I land up? Tells me that in that verse too. All liars, not the ones that get caught. Not just the ones that get caught, you know, because sometimes you hear, well, it's okay, tell a lie just to get out of trouble in school. But don't, you know, be very careful how you tell it so you don't get caught. And you'll often hear when a, someone tells a lie, you know, you're such a smart kid. My, that was clever of you. You avoided a terrible punishment at school. But that isn't what this verse says. It says all liars, the ones that keep telling lies, their place is in this terrible place, brimstone and fire. And so I trust this story of this cobra will warn us all and help us to look to see what God says about things. Up where we work in Zambia, in the villages, the grandmothers will tell their grandchildren, that's okay, you can tell a lie, but just don't get caught. You know, go tell a lie, it gets you out of problems. Don't get caught, but that's not what God's word says. So we have to compare what we hear, what we're told, and what we do with what God says. Is that enough scary stories? I'll show you this. Some of you remember when my father and my brother and me used to travel with this python skin, 16 feet long. That was taken in my brother's and brother-in-law, brother and sister-in-law's home, 16 feet long. It's still up there in New York, Pennsylvania, but I didn't especially like to travel with it. And I was scared to fly with it to California in case it was be taken away from me by security saying you're not allowed to travel with something like that. But this, you want another story? Okay, um, <clears throat> one afternoon my sister, Viola Young, and my brother, Bob Young, brother-in-law, we decided to go down to the pump because the pump wasn't working and something needed to be done. So here we got in the pickup and drove down, and as we were getting near the pump, what did we see? A python, that big around, crossing the road right in front of the car. And my brother-in-law said, oh, let's run over it and pin it down. So we all thought, well, that's okay, let's have a better look at this thing. So he ran over it and he pinned it that far from the end of the tail. He was, so the python was pinned under the car, under the wheel, and the rest of it was going off in the tall grass. Well, we all got out this side, and um, my brother-in-law went around to look in the grass, couldn't see it. My sister wisely stood over there, 
and I stood right by the headlights of the car and just wondering, where, where can we see this thing? And all of a sudden, we saw it. Here was this python. It wasn't coming at me straight like that. It was coming at me in a loop, trying to get over my head so it could circle around me and then squeeze me to death. And instead, because I was taller than it thought, it hit me here. If I had been a foot shorter, it would have got right round and pinned me down. And it hit me here, and it fell to the ground. Well, I tell you this, it didn't take us long to stop looking at that thing and to get in the car and drive off. <laughs> we thought, let it go by its own way. Let's not fool around with dangerous things. And there's another warning we can have. Be very careful of dangerous things. Things that can lead to trouble, things that can lead to death, things that can spoil our lives. It's not worth fooling around with them because we can suffer the rest of our life for that. We have, there's a lot to tell you here and I didn't find out how much I should, how long I should talk. So somebody put up their hand when I'm supposed to stop. <laughs> I was just enjoying these verses, 1 Timothy 2.6. 1 Timothy 2.6. Okay. 1 Timothy 2.6, and it says, talking about Jesus, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all, who gave himself a ransom for all. He paid the price to release us from the penalty of sin, because we have all sinned. And because of that penalty, Jesus gave himself as a ransom for our sins, taking God's judgment for us. None of us like to be punished for somebody else's sin, right? We all say that's not fair, but that's what Jesus did. He was punished for our sins. And then Titus 2.14. Let's look at Titus 2.14. Titus 2.14, another thing that tells us about Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He didn't just die to pay the price for our sin, but he died, he gave himself that he might redeem us, remove us from all iniquity, take us away from all this sin. It's easy to get used to sinful things when we see it happening around us all the time and we just get to think, oh, it's not so bad after all. But Jesus died. He gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He died for us, every one of us. We don't need to be worried. Maybe he didn't die for me. He died and he gave himself for all of us. And 
He wants to redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. That word peculiar, we don't like it. It's strange, but here it means a special people. Just to purify himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, ones that really love the Lord, are willing to go out for the Lord, are willing to suffer for the Lord, are willing to give themselves for the Lord. That shows his love for us. And we can show our love for him in return by being zealous and doing good works. We were <clears throat> visiting one place. We used to do a lot of teaching, um, high school uh, Bible knowledge from Cambridge University. It was a very stiff course, but uh, the Lord was so good. When I joined my husband David, he had been giving, getting 97% pass. And I said, Lord, help me not to bring his results down. And I hadn't taught that level before. And do you know what the Lord did? He gave us 100% pass for five years straight. 100% pass for five years straight. And just, it was very tiring. And as a result, we had all these exams to mark, report cards to fill. This was the, uh, just preparing them for the final exam. And then when the final exam came, they would send us from University in Cambridge University in England the exam papers. The papers would be written and sent to Cambridge University, marked there, and then returned to us. So we didn't have to do any marking or any filling in of report cards, but before that we did. So David says, I know where we can go and we can have a real relaxing time and nobody knows me because I never went that place there, walking along the river edge, visiting the villages. So as soon as we had finished all our papers, we were doing exam papers for 1,500 pupils and marking 1,500 report cards. Well, when we got there, we had the tents put up and we had our food out and we were thinking, wonderful, we've got this little boat, we'll just do some fishing and just forget that there's a school in Zambezi. Well, guess what? I looked up across the river and what did I see? Canoes starting to come towards us. And both my husband and I said, oh no, people have seen us and we're trying to get away from people. Oh my, what do we do now? Missionaries are not always what they should be. And sure enough, they arrived. And you know what they said as soon as they got out the boat? We want to hear the words of God. We want to hear the words of God. <laughs> well, the Lord knew how to speak to us. We just said, sorry, Father. We took it that way. Help us to reach these people. And so we did that. We just sat down, and David spoke and gave a message. And then <clears throat> we usually take medicines to hand out in the villages where they're not near any hospitals. And uh, I said, as I went up, I said, I've got some medicines here if anybody wants help, just come. 
And this middle-aged couple in their 40s, late 40s, came up and they said, before you give out any medicines, my wife and I want to trust the Lord. The Lord had prepared them and directed our steps to go there to help them. And so whatever happened every day, we would go over to their side to have a meeting. The next day they would come to us. So we did this every day. And we did do some fishing. In the afternoons we went out and did fishing and got some nice big tiger fish to eat and enjoy. But what impressed me about that group of women, they didn't even know any hymns, any uh, uh, verses. They were completely new. And they said, you know, if you see us doing something that is displeasing to the Lord, this is after six, seven couples had trusted the Lord, seven couples which was most unusual. If you see us doing something that is displeasing to the Lord, please tell us, because we can't read, and we don't know what pleases the Lord and what doesn't. So please tell us. How often do you hear that? Please tell us if you, hear, if you see that we're doing something displeasing to the Lord. We want to please him. All right, what have we read here? Who gave himself that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify unto himself a special people, zealous of good works. Sisters, let's all pray that the Lord will give us real hearts to please the Lord, so that when we stand before him one day, and it may be much sooner than we realize, that we'll hear his well done, good and faithful servant. So, the Lord has helped us many ways and many times. I just want to share this. My sister Frances Eiler, she was the first one born in the family, twins, Esther and Frances, and she painted, loved doing paintings. And um, she gave me a big painting of about this size of this text and she put in the letters pointed out Christ and I want to tell you a story about this we put this up in our living room and one day when we were there at Zambezi we had a knock at the door and here's the Dutch doctor who is working in the it's not a mission hospital there it's just a government hospital but he was an atheist had no time for the things of God and he came in and he said, could, you, I help, could I ask you to help me to get a message through to the Colway Mission? Because that was the only way we could get messages over is through a radio contact. So I said, certainly, come on in. And so I left my, the mother who had come with her son, the doctor, in the living room with other friends and relatives there. And then I went onto the patio with this doctor and we got the message across to the person he was wanting. And then <clears throat> I came out and what did I see? This woman, she was in her 80s and there she was just standing, looking and reading that. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. 
Her, father, her, her son is a, a complete atheist, has no time for God. And here, she's reading that so carefully. So I went up to her and I said, I'm awfully sorry that I haven't had time to give you anything. Can I give you a cup of tea or coffee? And just then her son said, no, mother, we've got to go. We have no time for things like that. And off they went outside. When we went outside, you know what she said to me? She said, this is the nicest home I have ever been in in my life. Well, if you've been in our home, you know it's not a fancy home. But you know what? I think the Lord was speaking to her through this. She was in her 80s, and here she was. Now, this was about 15 years ago when our dress was completely different to what it is now, but she was dressed like a teenager. And in those days, you never had somebody in their 80s dressed like a teenager. And here she was just reading it. And I thought to myself, what does she see there? First thing she sees Christ's name. And then she sees who's talking. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the nicest home I have ever been in in my life. And you know, that taught me a lesson. I said, thank you, Lord. I felt sorry that we didn't have time to talk because the son was so anxious to go, she just got in the car and off they went and she went back to Holland about two or three days later. But this is the verse that came to mind. You know, this is God's word. Again, we're looking in God's word to direct us, to show us what to do. My word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void. It shall not return empty without fruit, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Sisters, we are praying all the time that the Lord will help us to reach our friends, to reach those around us, to reach the people we work with. And here is God saying, use my word. Use my word. I will send it out and it won't return void. It won't return useless. It will accomplish what I want it to do. So just use my word. And isn't, it's interesting that the devil has tried to discourage us from doing that. What's happening nowadays, people are saying, well, they say, don't use God's word because I don't believe it. I don't accept it. So just don't mention God's word again. So are we going to just stop using God's word? The story goes when there was fighting, a lot of fighting in Congo. And what happened? The, um, they were told by the witch doctor, when you go to battle and they have these AK-47s and they shoot, you just run into the shooting and shout, 
Maya, Maya, and that means water, water in another language. Well, you know what happened. They did do that. They ran in shouting, Maya, Maya, and none of them came out. They were all killed. So God's word is still powerful. Just pray that how, you, how we use it is how Jesus would use it to meet a need, that he would help us to be able to give God's word. And you never know how the Holy Spirit is going to use that. I was talking to a girl. I had taught in grade school, and I had taught again in uh, high school, and a very keen Christian. And I said to her one day, Joyce, you know, the Lord's been so good. In your grade school, second high school, you've had such a good testimony. You went to national service, which was compulsory. A good testimony there. You went to nurses training, a good testimony there. You went to um, maternity training, a good testimony there. What do you feel helped you the most in, in all your life so far? And she said to me, you know what it was? It was the memory verses I learned. The memory verses. It was so thrilling this morning, ladies, just to see the kids stand up here, right from the smallest to the biggest and all giving memory verses, saying where it's from, and that's a tremendous work for eternity. You never know how the Lord's going to use that. And Joyce said to me, you know, I met a lot of new, in, new situations, and I just didn't know what to do. I had gone to town, and I had never been in town before in the cities, and these things kept coming up. And she said, every time I just prayed, and the Lord just... It reminded me of a memory verse that I had put here. So, ladies, don't get discouraged with your children, with your teaching, with whatever. And just remember that God's word will accomplish what it's, he sends it out to do. And don't get frightened and don't get scared saying, well, uh, things have changed now, it's too difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. But God's word is still there. And isn't it wonderful that we still have it? Think of how hundreds of years ago they tried to completely destroy God's word. But God saw that we had it. So <clears throat> when we were in the hospital, or when I was in hospital, my brother David had brought uh, a number of pictures. And um, he, he put them all out with these does a lot of this. He, all of these pictures he himself has taken. And um, then he puts a verse on it. And he tells where it was taken and then applies it to scripture and applies it to one's heart. And uh, so he had all these out, about 50 of them, and just laid them out on the shelf, big long shelf. And so as the doctors came in to see me, I would say to them, oh, by the way, if you'd like any of those uh, photos, pictures, just help yourself. And it was surprising 
cardiologist, thank you so much. I'm going to take that home. Oh, that's just what I need. Nurses. Um, and so I had a picture of this snake one. And uh, one of the nurses there, who was very good to me, and when she saw it, she said, oh, no, I don't want to take that. Snake, no, no, I won't take it. The next day, she came in and she said, yes, I would like to take it. <laughs> and took it home to show, show her family and praying that the Lord will use it. But this is a verse that my brother gave me when I came back from hospital. Psalm 108, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. And it's always something that we can thank the Lord for. And this is what makes him very happy as we uh, do that. The, uh, <clears throat> Does anybody know how much time we have here? Oh, seven. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, There are prayer cards back there. If anybody wants them, just help yourself. This is just to tell you a picture of Africa. And um, here we are in Zambia. We hope, Lord willing, to go back. The doctors say that they should, they are happy for us to go back. They say they don't think there'll be a problem. We're just finding out where we can get treatment and where we can get help for um, <clears throat> this pacemaker. And um, so this is Zambia, there's Malawi, and this is Mozambique. So this is what we have to do. This is Zambezi here, right near the Angola border. And we have to go, this is the way we go to Malawi. And there's Malawi there. And then when we get to Malawi, we go down here to Baira. That's 2,000 miles. But we still work those three countries. We were renting a house in, Mal in Mozambique, but no, sorry, in Malawi, but because of, we couldn't get enough fuel because of the problems of the country. So because of that, we had to give it up. And we're planning, Lord willing, to go back, but have shorter time there. Instead of going for six months, go for just um, a month and visit these places. So the, for you who have seen the uh, PowerPoint that we uh, showed, it, um, this is a long way to travel. And Malawi has the name of having the most car accidents in all the South African, Southern African countries. So we appreciate your prayers and also appreciate your prayers that the Lord will help us to be able to do what, what he um, wants us to do there. 
So we have Zambia, we have a list of many, many widows that we try to help. And then we give the widows, many of them taking care of their grandchildren because the parents have died. So this is a big project that we have. We had about 200 widows from Zambia alone. And then um, what we've been praying that we will be able to get the widows' minds trusting the Lord, not looking to us to give the things. Because when they look to us, then when we go, who takes care of them? So just to give you how the Lord's answering prayer, um, I gave a package to a woman, a widow, and uh, in it I said, there's a clothing for you, for the children that you're taking care of, and there's also a blanket. She took that and she just said, Heavenly Father, you heard me this morning when I told you we need, I needed a blanket. Here it is. Thank you. To me, I was just so thrilled because it was putting her mind onto the Lord. And the more we can do that, the more we'll have less problems of trusting others. And here, you heard me. She didn't say anything to me. She just immediately recognized it was the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You heard me when I told you we needed a blanket. And I found out later that she was using a tarp, a tent, to sleep under. So that's something that you can pray about, that as we help these widows, we uh, provide for them f food, too, and uh, give them money in order to buy it. And uh, so that's been a help. And then <clears throat> pray for Malawi. We have a lot of contacts with Muslim families. And uh, that's been really encouraging, both in Malawi and Mozambique, that the Lord will help us to, uh, we gave um, Bramson's book, One God, One Message, to um, this family and this girl who's just graduated as a lawyer in Mozambique, she says, can't you stay? She says, can't you stay for a few days more and just help us so that we can understand the Bible? She said, we are just really glad to get this. So pray for us that the Lord will guide us in our context to know when to stop and how long to stop there and so on. And then for um, Mozambique, which is right on the coast, and that's the 2000. That's the 2,000 mile trip, because of having to go all this way round. And it's right on the coast here. And we visit blind students, and we've been able to give them um, Braille Gospels of John, which are about that big, that wide, and that thick. We put, got enough for all of them, and then put them in a bag which had, we had made, and uh, they were so thrilled. This is my book. 
It was the first book that those kids had ever had that they could call mine. And uh, they just were thrilled with it. And so they, were, they all knew Braille. Um, we were told today by, who is it showed us the Braille? Nathan? Nathaniel. Nathaniel showed us the Braille that he's studying or in this book that he's got. Anyway, um, <clears throat> pray for this because as we mentioned in the PowerPoint, we have come across electronic New Testaments just that big. And for the whole Bible, the whole New Testament and the whole Bible, I can just see what's going to happen. We took a few of them to Mozambique last time, and I, I just can't wait till we get there and see these kids. Um, you know what? I have the whole Bible in my pocket. The first time they've ever had that opportunity to read the whole Bible. Doesn't that speak to us? How many of us have two, three, four Bibles? And how many of us don't read it every day? I have the whole Bible, and I can read anywhere in the whole Bible. And so we're giving it to them in a little bag so that they can put around their neck so somebody can't sort of, and it's um, charged by the solar system, so that's great. So just pray for us that the Lord will guide us in all our contexts, where to stay, where to visit, who to help, that the Lord's name will be honored. I just wanted to end up with this story, which I think will be encouraging to you. One day in Zambezi, which is our headquarters in uh, Zambia, that's where we have our home, um, one day, my husband David was visiting. It's just a small government outpost. It's not a big city or anything like that. It's just a small government outpost. But it has about six or seven high schools in it and uh, lots of other schools. <clears throat> and uh, he met this South African there. And uh, he said, I'm looking for Paul Logan. Well, Paul Logan wasn't there. So he told him, he says, well, I'm sorry he's not here, but um, David got talking to him and found out that this was the fellow that he was talking to. His name was Bruce McDonald. Bruce did not know God. 87 of his relatives were killed in the World War Holocaust, World War II. 87 of his relatives had been killed by um, Hitler. Since his mother was a Jew, his dad was from Scotland, his fiancée and all her family were murdered by guerrillas in Zimbabwe just a week before his marriage. A deep bitterness and anguish filled his soul. He had no peace. Even though he had a good job, he became chief chef of all the Protea hotels in, Zimbabwe, in uh, South Africa, 65 in the chain, chain, 
65 Protea hotels, and he was the chief chef. And one day, sitting overlooking the beach in Hermanus, South Africa, he wrote this poem, Serenity, Peace. To the heart that is ripped apart, what is that serenity? When the soul that cannot find its own peace, that trembles at the tumult within, likened to the quivering, pounding fury of the raging seas, pounding on and on and on, searching, oh, searching the unknown, and meets with a dark, blank wall, rebounding, rebounding yet again to that void of unhappiness. Oh, serenity, the cry goes out. Serenity, where are you? Who'll make you known to us, unto me? Must the search go on forever and ever and ever until eternity passes by? This is the poem that he had made up, and this is what he's quoting as he watches the ocean and the waves just dashing against the rocks. He traveled all the way to Zambezi in Zambia looking for someone to tell him the way of peace. He had been given the name of Paul, but Paul was not there. The Lord guided David who met him and talked with him. And finally, because of his illness, he was taken to a hospital and he told the hospital people, I want peace. And of course the doctor thought, well, I don't normally have patients telling me that, they're usually telling me their complaints. And um, he had been searching for peace all his life, the peace of God which passes all understanding. He trusted the Lord, and we had the joy of discipling him. And one evening after a study in the book of Romans, he told us of the bitterness he still held in his heart for the ones who had murdered his fiance and her family. Also for Hitler, who had murdered 87 of his relatives. That evening, back in his room, he got down on his knees and poured out his heart to the Lord and poured out his heart to Christ and Christ poured in his balm and removed every trace of bitterness. I just love this. Here he is, a newborn Christian. And here he is asking the Lord to take away the bitterness. So hard, sisters, to keep bitterness in our hearts. And it wrecks our lives, having the bitterness. We're the, one, we're the ones that suffer. So many people have told me of the bitterness they have. And just because of they can't get rid of it, it's always coming back to their mind. It's always coming back. and he removed every trace of bitterness. A newborn Christian, and Christ removes every bitterness against the ones that killed his fiance, against Hitler, who had killed 87 of his relatives. In our guest book, he wrote, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. He knew where the power had come from. He knew where the peace had come from. He had been told when his friends, who were not Christians, told when they, he was told 
they, they were told by him that he had trusted Jesus Christ, one of his friends said, it would have been better for you to go to hell than to become a Christian. Can you hear me? That better, okay, thank you. Um, and he says, now I have found peace. Now I have found tranquility because he had found the one who gives it. Jesus said that he was the one who gives peace. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for saving me. And ladies, as we finish our meeting, let's pray that the Lord would help each one of us be challenged by the verses we have read, be challenged by what we've heard, so that we all will go out of those doors with a, a desire to please the Lord, to love him more. To, you know, I was talking to somebody today, right here, and he says, you know, it seems like we're right next to the coming of the Lord. Things are just developing so fast, and conditions that are mentioned in the scriptures, there they are, right in front of us. It may be this week we'll hear the trumpet sound. Let's use what time we have left for him. Let's use opportunities to reach our friends around. Ask the Lord to show us how to use the scriptures, when to use them, that the Lord will give us wisdom and not just throwing scriptures at people, but lovingly giving them to people who need them. And then just like Joyce found, you never know how the Lord's gonna bring back that memory verse or that verse that you have in your home or that verse that you've been enjoying today to pass on to somebody else. We pray that the Lord will really bless us and use us. And Lord willing, we leave on Tuesday to go back to uh, New Jersey, not New Jersey, but um, back to uh, Pennsylvania, where my brother and his wife are. And then May 3rd, Lord willing, to fly to London. And then the next day to fly to Lusaka. And then from there on, back to Zambezi. So please, ladies, appreciate your prayers, and the Lord will bless us. Maybe someone will just close in a word of prayer.